guess for now you've got the last laugh. This is Jerry Bingham, host of Hush Loudly on WGN Plus. I'm sorry if I seem uninterested. I think sometimes people may assume that because you're more quiet to yourself that you're not as competitive because you're not screaming, yelling, and looking out of control. So you still want to win just as bad as anyone else. You just do a better job of controlling your emotions and being able to continue to lead in a different way. Hi, this is Howard Griffith, and you're listening to Hush Loudly on WGN. Party, I'll be here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hush Loudly, where we're talking to interesting people doing interesting things. As you know, it is our goal to redefine the word introvert, which oftentimes has a negative connotation in this extrovert rewarding world because we introverts lead, we are adventurous, we are oh so fabulous in our own ways, but we draw energy from within and we recharge more in solitude. We expend energy in social situations versus extroverts who gain energy from social interaction and introverts we think, then do. We think, process, then jump versus extroverts who think while doing. So I always like to define us in that way. Uh, I think those are some pretty key differences. And just from my research, this is what I've discovered. So I would like to read the bio of our next guest. It is Howard Griffiths. Howard is regarded as one of the NFL's best blocking backs. Griffith is currently preparing for his 14th season as an analyst for the Big Ten Network. He is the recipient of the 2010-11 Emmy Award for Outstanding Sports Broadcast. With a career spanning over a decade, Griffith was a star fullback for the Denver Broncos and helped lead his team to Super Bowl 32 and 33 championships. As an unrestricted free agent, Griffith signed with Denver for the 1997 season and soon after made a name for himself as the man who assisted then-future NFL Hall of Famer Terrell Davis to achieve over 2,000 rushing yards in a regular season. Griffith's athletic ability as well as his leadership skills on and off the field captured the attention of the national sports media and the respect of his peers. Many of Griffith's other league affiliations made headlines throughout his career. With the Carolina Panthers expansion team, he became the first player in their team's history to score a touchdown, both rushing and receiving. He also played an integral part in leading the team to their first NFC championship game. Griffith has been named Offensive Player of the Week seven times during his football career. Griffith attended the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. He became the football team's captain and proceeded to break several football records. To date, he continues to hold the single-game scoring record of eight touchdowns in one game, which is also an NCAA record at the university. Griffith graduated in 1991, receiving his Bachelor of Arts degree in communications. Upon his retirement from the NFL, Griffith began working as a football analyst. In 2005, he was an analyst for the NFL and the NFL Europe 
football leagues, providing sports commentary for games that were broadcast by Fox and the NFL networks. In 2001, Griffiths published his sports memoir, Laying It on the Line, that chronicles his football journey from the south side of Chicago to the Super Bowl. He is a former board member of the National ABLE Network and the founder of the Hyde Park Junior Spartans Youth Football and Cheer Organization. Griffith and his wife, Kim, have two sons, Howard Griffith II and Houston Griffith. So welcome, Howard, to Hush Loudly. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much. So, Howard, I ask everyone this question. Are you an introvert? Without question. <laughs> I think uh, uh-huh. I've been my entire life. Uh-huh. Have you ever done one of those Myers-Briggs personality assessments or any of those other ones, or you just know it? I've done it. Um, it's been some years since I've done it, but it's definitely... Uh, Verified that I'm an introvert, and um, it was very interesting to to go through that process of finding out and actually, you know, kind of figuring out what I already knew that mm-hmm. just what what my personality was like. Do you remember if you did it while in college, or if you did it with the football league? I'm just curious because most of us do it at their jobs. Like that's where I've had it at a job where I worked. Um, you know, I remember doing it in college. I also remember doing it a couple of times, I believe, okay. uh, while I was in the NFL preparing for for different teams. Okay. How did your introversion manifest as a child? So many of us say we were shy as children, and I personally remember how I enjoyed being on my porch with my Barbie dolls or either reading. I was all good with that, and I'd run and play when I felt like it, but most of the time, I was good on my porch by myself. (laughs) And so how were you as a child? How did that manifest? You know, it's interesting because um, the, the block I grew up on the south side, and I had a lot of kids. Um, it wasn't that I didn't want to to be involved in, you know, running up and down the street or playing football in the middle of the street, but but kind of like you, it was just like hanging out on the porch. And if people wanted to talk, okay, come on, hang out on the porch. This is where I'll be when I wasn't running around or in my backyard. Yeah, I was kind of, you know, one of those kids that, that kind of stayed to myself. And, and I think people would probably describe me as shy. Uh, because I just didn't want to necessarily be in the mix and be in, in the middle of all the action. But that's just who I was at that point. And it's interesting that you said how if you might be in your yard or on your porch and people would just come and talk to you, I had that same thing. And so that's leading me to ask you, do people just tell you their life story and people just ask you for advice and just, you know, feed off your energy and, and, and talk to you? gravitate toward you? Yeah, I, I think they do. I think when I do finally let people in, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a comfort level there in, in having conversations with me because I think for the most part, I don't necessarily judge. And it's really about what you're saying and trying to hear what, what it is that you're trying to work through or understand. And sure, I'll give my two cents, but I don't think I was ever in a position necessarily where I was judging somebody about what they were telling and what we were discussing. So I guess that gave people a comfort level of, of, of confiding in me. 
I love that because that's something that we introverts probably have in common. That is the identical thing for me where, and that's part of our strengths is the listening and the observation. And we're so skilled at that. But I find that I'm like everybody's therapist. And of course, I'm not a therapist, but I think that I listen without judgment or I try not to judge. And I bet you that is an introvert quality that we all have and people uh, gravitate toward us for that. That reason. I think that there's a misconception about introverts, and I think that many might be surprised to hear that you're an introvert. And so I love that it sounds like the NFL was open to that, and at least because usually when you take those assessments, it's about team building, it's about leadership, and it's empowering usually to us introverts and to certain groups to see that there are other people like you, and you know, and that you have these strengths and these attributes. So I love that that you were tested at some point in, in your career. But you've always been an exceptional athlete. I mean, always elementary, high school, college, and then a professional athlete. You're an analyst, a commentator. You've been on several major television networks. You were playing football every week on TV, always been successful, always a leader with a strong voice. And so I want to know, did you ever get nervous or do you get nervous now? What makes you nervous? I'm nervous all the time. Really? I'm nervous before, before I go on in my role as an analyst. When I have to make big decisions, I'm nervous. I've never gotten over the nerves. And I think part of that, from my professional career in athletics, it was about never wanting to fail. So I I always felt like if I wasn't nervous and I wasn't on edge, I was too comfortable. And for me, it was being uncomfortable is the thing that was able to keep me sharp. So it's the same thing for me in, in, in my role as an analyst. To be uncomfortable, once you start to settle in and you think you've got it made and everything is easy, you know, that's when the, the issues start to happen or the problems start to happen and you start to make mistakes. So for me, I've always just embraced the, being nervous as a part of making sure that I could stay sharp as possible as I, as I was preparing and getting ready to, whether it's going to the field or be in front of the television. Wow. That's that's good to hear. That's interesting to hear. And so my my next question is I wanted to ask about, you know, football being a team sport, obviously, with lots of time spent with your teammates for practice games, traveling to games. Were you able to make time for yourself to decompress as, you know, we're around all of these people and it takes a lot out of us? Were you able to do that? Um, How did you recharge when you were on the road and playing professionally? Well, professionally, we were fortunate uh, in organizations that I played for, we were able to have our own room. So I could could get away from the the team if I wanted to, if I needed to. But I, I think the other thing was just kind of just being so laid back and just kind of being to myself a lot of times. Some of my coaches thought that, that hey, he's just moody. Mm. I, mean, I don't know what which hour we're going to get today because he's moody <laughs> one day, the next day he didn't have two words to say to us. So <laughs> what is going on with him? But that was just you know that was just my personality. And once I got an opportunity to 
know who I am. They just, you know, would give me my space and, and let me, you know, be who I was. And, and, and that was huge for me because it just allowed me to, to function at a higher level, not being concerned about whether or not I needed to speak up or say anything, or if I wasn't smiling all day, people weren't continuing or constantly asking me, what's the problem? Is everything okay? So once they got a better idea of who I was, you know, I kind of ended up helping uh, my coaches understand what made me tick. Wow. Okay. And keeping it in football, which is a competitive sport, would you say that you were just as competitive as your teammates back then? Oh, yeah. It's not more competitive. And, and, and I think the, the being competitive, you know, it, shows, it shows its way in, in, many different, in many different ways. I mean, you have people that are outward, outwardly talking about getting after their teammates and doing different things like that. That was never my style. I, I didn't think that was the best way to challenge my teammates. To me, it was about working as hard as I can, being the first one in the building, the last one to leave. I'm always looking for the edge and understanding. And, and on your day off, which was Tuesday in the NFL, instead of taking his day off, I was in the office early before anybody else so I could see the film and understand what happened, what went right, and what went wrong. So I think sometimes people may assume that because you're more quiet into yourself that you're not as competitive because you're not screaming, yelling, and, and looking out of control a lot in trying to berate people, but you still want to win just as bad as anyone else. You just do a better job of controlling your emotion and being able to continue to lead in a different way. Wow. I love that. That, that hits home. So, and I was going to also ask, are you still competitive? Which ties into my other question about you riding that bike. So I'm, you know, following you on Twitter and, you know, we've known each other for many years and I see you, you're riding a bike like 20, 30, 100 miles. Maybe I'm exaggerating. And so I'm just floored by that. So obviously you're an athlete, you're still in shape, you work out, but that bike and all, is that like a competitive thing? Are you competing with yourself? What is that for you? Or is that where you recharge? What is that for you? So it's funny you mention. I've reached a point right now with with the the bike that I have that I can't get any more performance out of that bike because of the way the bike was set up and structured. So earlier this week, I go to the bike store and I'm trying to figure out how not to spend money on buying this new bike that I absolutely know I want. Okay. So I go in and I said, tell me, how can I modify this bike? Because I need to get more performance out of it. And he said, well, what do you normally ride? I said, well, regularly 20 plus miles, you know, at a minute. He said, well, you got the wrong bike. Mm. There's nothing you're going to be able to do to get more out of this bike. And, and, and really, you, I'm competing not only against myself, but I'm also competing against other people. They don't know I'm competing against them, but I am because I'm seeing how quickly they're going per mile or how many miles they're going and the speeds that they're going. So I'm sitting there, I've got, I've got to be better. There's no way this person that I know isn't half the athlete I am <laughs> can do this. <laughs> so I'm playing mental games with myself, trying to convince myself to get this new bike because I know I need it. I went and test rode it, and I'm like, wow, this, this is a huge difference. So I think I'm still just as competitive as, I, as I've as i been before, 
it just manifests itself differently. And again, it's kind of competing against people and they don't know that I'm competing against them. I'm following, I'm watching, I'm seeing what they're doing and I'm looking for an edge in a way to be able to be able to beat them, not to be able to call them up and say, man, I am killing you right now. <laughs> but just for me mentally to understand this is what I need to do to be able to bike with this person, to be able to bike, you know, for 60 miles, you know, 17 miles an hour. I mean, right now, I know I don't have the right equipment to be able to do it, but I'm still sitting here trying to convince myself I'm going to make this equipment work for me. But that's not working anyway. I'm going to end up getting a new bike. Right. Get the bike. <laughs> Just I'm get end the up bike. Getting a bike. Wow, that's interesting. And and also I wanted to ask you about the pandemic. So we're in about phase four, and so some of the restrictions are, are lightening. But during the whole COVID-19 pandemic and sheltering in place orders, there were so many jokes on Twitter and everywhere else about how the introverts were chilling. We were loving it, and that is the truth. I was loving every minute. I had no issues working remotely, you know, on my couch, none. But it was a nightmare for many extroverts, including my extrovert friends, you know, who Mm -hmm. were losing it a little because they need to get out and need to be around other people. And so I wanted to know how was that in the beginning? So say mid-March, April, how was the first when the shelter in place orders came? How was that for you? Was not an issue at all. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> not an issue at all. I could sit and meditate and not move and watch and work and read. And I wouldn't have any issues. Now, that wasn't the case for the other three people that were in the house. They <laughs> <laughs> got to keep moving. They can't sit. Right, so right. That, you know, that was pretty interesting. Even now. Mm-hmm. You know, even though things are starting to loosen up, I'm in no big hurry to start doing what everyone else is doing. You know, whether that's you know, backyard social gathering parties and different things like that, I'm still good with just sitting back and still kind of when I go on Twitter and watch, you know, people working out in these big groups and still having parties and hanging out at bars and restaurants and listen, I I, I want to support our local restaurants just like anybody else, but. I don't know that I'm going to be sitting at the bar or at a table, you know, or just hanging out at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny how I I think we all missed having the option. So, I, you know, like I was cool in the house chilling, but I miss like I'm a movie person. So I miss going mm-hmm. to the movies. I'll probably never go to the movies again. And and the and the restaurants and, you know, I may go out with one person, you know, your wife mm-hmm. or my other friends. I may go out with one person and that's my cool Friday night. But I'm not ready to go inside yet. So I'm OK at outdoor seating right now. So we'll just. We'll just see how this goes. So uh, I just want to uh, wrap this up, and I was just thinking if I could ask you if you have any advice. I mean, you've given some great advice as you talked about competitiveness, and we can hear the leadership and all of that in you. But is there anything else that you might want to, to tell our fellow introverts who are listening? I think ultimately you have to be true to, true to who you are. 
And I understand in a society says sometimes you've got to make changes and you've got to try to adapt and you need to do different things to be able to maybe achieve certain things. But I think at the end of the day, if you're true to yourself, you're going to achieve and be happy with what you achieved because you were true to yourself and you didn't have to compromise uh, who you believe that you are just because others around you believe it's very unpopular or you're not necessarily the cool kid. You know, and I think that's what it comes down to, you know, being able to, to look and understand you're able to, to get a great idea of who you are and what makes you take the more comfortable you'll be in your own mind and the more comfortable people will be around you. Yes, that's wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Howard Griffith, for joining us today. All right, no problem. Anytime. It's on again. Walk alone, walk alone, you know, walk alone. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash introverts hush loudly and listen to past episodes at wgnradio.com or hushloudly.com. Ever since there was one, so what